We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. So we're in a series called The Blessed Life. The Blessed Life is a simple series that literally just wants to accomplish one goal, is to help us discover that if we listen to God, and do what he says, we will live the blessed life. Now, let me tell you something. The blessed life does not say it's the easy life. The blessed life isn't the most prosperous financially life. But I'll tell you what it is. It is blessed, and it will be in order, and everything that you need will be supplied. And every chaotic experience that wants to come about, God will give you supernatural peace because God takes care of his children. So if you want to know the key to living the blessed life, it's simply this. Listen to God and do what he says. And so today is one of those days where we're going to be drawing the line in the sand. I'm going to ask you two questions at the end of this worship experience. And you have the opportunity to declare A or B. What team am I on? Everybody say, what team am I on? We're going to find out at the end. We're going to find out. Everybody go to Luke chapter 16. We're going to be in verses 9 through 13 or 14. We may not even make it to verse 14, but... We're going to camp out in this text and the majority of it throughout this series. This has been a really has been a teaching series. This has less been a preaching series. This has been a teaching series. We've been we want to be a teaching church all the time. But this one specifically, we've been kind of systematically going through scripture. So today you're not going to have like a whole lot of scripture that we're going to go through. But there's going to be a whole lot of stuff we talk about. So lean in, strap in for the ride. It's going to be a good one. And I promise you that you will know. Know what team you're on by the end of this series. I mean, by the end of, yeah, by the end of this series as well, too. We got one more message in the series, just to let you guys know. Next week is going to be a really, really good message. I'm going to be able to share a little bit of my testimony, my wife and I's testimony on our journey to the blessed life and living the blessed life. And I'll tell you, it hasn't been easy, but it's been fruitful and God has blessed incredibly. So next week is the last weekend. And then the following weekend, we get to have my, my mentor, my coach, my church planting coach, Pastor Doug Grassic. Make some noise. That's a cue for noise. He is going to be in the house. I can't wait for him to be here. And, um, yeah, September is kind of like the ramp-up months for the next few months. It's just going to get super busy around relevant. We're going to have guests. Listen, we, we have Doug Rasa coming into town. We got Bobby Bogard coming into town. We got John Rewald coming all the way from Australia to come into town. It's about to be bananas. So let's get in the word. Luke chapter 16, verse 13 says this. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And everybody's like, what is mammon? I have heard that term. I don't understand what it means. Isn't that like money? Well, you know what? We're going to find out a little bit more in just a second. But here it says, no servant, no servant can serve two masters. No person, no individual can serve two masters. You can't serve two systems. You can't serve 
two leaders. You can't serve two gods. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You ever grew up asking your parents for something? Mom says one thing, dad says the other thing, and you're like, I don't know who to trust right now. Y'all messing with my head. So mom says yes, dad says no. Then you go to mom and you say, mom, but dad said no. And mom says, oh, well, I guess that's no. Then you go back to dad like, dad, you see what you did? Oh, no, that was me. But you're like, man, which one should I really be loyal to? Because if I do the thing, I might get in trouble because one said no. But if I don't do the thing, now I'm just going to be sad and depressed. Either way, I lose. But you cannot serve God and mammon. He says it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an impossibility. There, there's no way for you to accomplish this. This is just Jesus talking. He says it is philosophically, emotionally, spiritually impossible to serve God and mammon. He didn't say you shouldn't serve God and mammon. He says you cannot. Even if you tried, one of them will arise above the other. What is mammon? Point number one, if you want to follow along with your teaching sheets, it's bigger than money. Everybody say, it's bigger than money. It's bigger than money. What's mammon? So uh, most biblical translations, even in the Bible that you just handed, if you uh, grabbed one from House Crew, the translation that I'm reading right here is the ESV. It translates it as money. So you can't serve God and money. But what did we say? It's bigger than money. Everybody say, it's bigger than money. It's bigger than money. Mammon is actually riches. It talks about wealth. That's what it is. It's it's not just money. It's like ridiculous wealth. It's riches. It's the pursuit of gain and all of that. And it's Aramaic. So Jesus is speaking in this this time, and it comes from the Aramaic term that he used, and it means riches. No one can serve God and serve riches. No one can serve God and serve mammon. Mammon was also a god of riches to the Syrian area. So in Assyria, the Syrians believed in this deity called Mammon, who was the god of money. So they worshipped him. They came to his feet. There's this big old statue in, in, in Syrian literature and drawings. And they're coming and they're sacrificing to him. They're hugging his feet. They're just like just, just totally worshipping this god this false god of riches. Because they think if I worship money, if I worship riches, if I worship gain, I'll be taken care of. Now this god, it's going to sound like I'm going on a rabbit trail. I'm really not. It's all focused. Believe you me, I've studied. I took the time. I know where we're going. Just follow me. So Mammon is the god of the Syrian people. Syria was the seat of Babylon. Everybody who's familiar with a little bit about uh, uh, Babylon and, and biblical literature is that Babylon was a place of debauchery. Babylon was a place of mess. It was a place of all types of pagan rituals and acts. And at one point in time, God's children were even enslaved by Babylon. And so Babylon is this place that this God of riches, they were also incredibly wealthy. 
They were incredibly wealthy, had so many resources uh, that they had, so much access to resources, so much so that in this area called Babylon, which means sown in confusion, again, follow me, you should be taking notes if you want to remember where I'm going with this. Babylon means sown in confusion. If you remember a story in the Bible of the Tower of Babel, you guys remember that? Babylon is where the Tower of Babel was. Babylon means sown in confusion. At Babel, these individuals decided to build this tower, and they said, we are going to be our own gods. We're going to think we're smarter than God. We don't need God. We are good. We are self-sufficient. We've got all the resources. We've got all the money. We've got all the intellect. We don't need God, and we're going to build a tower that's going to represent our self-sufficiency and what God did in that moment and says, you idiots, you're going to kill yourselves. So he confused their language. And at that point, there was confusion and everybody dispersed throughout the world. Babylon was founded under confusion. Babel mean confusion, sown in confusion. And what confused them? is they had this thought, this spirit, this desire to do things on their own. They figured if we have our own resources, if we have everything that we need to survive, we don't need God. Babel had the spirit of, of, of a mistrust, a, a non-desire for anything godly because they felt we've got everything that we did, we needed, we don't need God. So they created this God of mammon, and it's a spirit. It's a spirit that says we don't need God. It's a spirit that says we don't need God's influence. It tries to replace God in our lives. It's a prideful, arrogant spirit and wants you to be subject to it. Mammon always wants you to be subject to it. It wants you to follow it because it wants you to despise God. And have no need for God in your life. And so Jesus says, you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God, the spirit, the deity of mammon. You can't serve God and money. I got to go here for a second. And that's what the issue is with what's commonly called as the prosperity gospel. You give and you'll get. Give and you get. Sow this seed. You got people on TV selling you oil and holy water. Buy this vial of oil and you will be blessed. Sow a seed into this. It's like, no, that's not how it works. We don't give to get. See, the spirit of mammon wants you to only give into it, sow into it so that you can always receive. The prosperity gospel is... A spirit, it's a mammon message. It mo- makes you focus more on getting than giving. Makes you focus on the end goal and not what you're being called to do. How do we know? Because when the resources dry up, who's the first person we blame? God. It was never about obedience. It was never about faithfulness. It was never about the mission of God. It was about, God, you gave me, so I need to get. And if you don't give me, then you're not a good God. God said, listen, giving ain't about me. It's about you. 
responding in financial stewardship is not about God. It's about us. It's about our faithfulness, our trust. And the spirit of mammon promises you only what God can give you. Promises you security. Promises you love. It promises you joy. It promises you significance. So we say things like, man, if I just had, if I could only get, And we know that the spirit of mammon is a liar and it always fails. Why? Because we've seen thousands and thousands of people who've made it to the upper echelon of society end their lives in tragic suicide. And getting addicted to all types of drugs where they're trying to numb the pain because the reality is they've got everything. They've got access to everything, but yet everything is supplying nothing. And that's what the spirit of mammon is going to try to do in our lives. It's the spirit of the antichrist. Uh, let me tell you something, um, friends. The spirit of mammon, the spirit of the antichrist is not the left-wing agenda. The spirit of the antichrist is not rumors of nuclear war. This, the, 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 the spirit of the antichrist isn't a former president. The spirit of Antichrist wants to control your buying and spending. That's what it's about. It wants, you to, it wants to control how you view resources, how you view wealth. How do we know? We look at the end times in the book of Revelation. It gives us a picture of what's going to happen in the end times. There's going to be a time where this antichrist is going to rise up. And what it's going to ask you to do, take the mark of the beast. And if you don't take the mark of the beast, what is it going to keep you from? Buying and selling. Because if I can control your pocket, I can control you. Spirit of mammon once you depend on money. Again, we, we say thoughts. I've said it too. I probably said it in the last two weeks. Man, if I just had more money. That's the spirit of mammon trying to rise up. Trying to get me to, 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 to be more allegiant to, to it. But here's the deal. God is the sole provider of significance and the fullness of life. Only God. Uh, money is not going to help us be better people. Here's the deal. Money doesn't help us help people. If I had more money, I would help more people. If I had more money, I would give to more people. If I was more money, I would support more causes. If I had more money, money doesn't help people. People help people. Money is an inanimate object. Yes, it's cool to have a little bit of resources, but ultimately, it's about the heart. That's where this whole series started. It's about the heart. It's bigger than money. It's about the heart. If you've got the heart of generosity, I've seen more generous people who have nothing than people who had wealth and gave absolutely nothing. It's an actual psychological fact that individuals in the top echelon of society actually give less than people 
who were living what we would consider average. I saw it happen in my own life. So back in the day, back in the day, I used to sell books door to door. Every day I'm hustling, hustling, hustling. Every day. I was going door to door, knocking. Hey, how you doing? My name is Mutan. I am, in fact, all right, forgive me, y'all. I'm about to tell y'all a secret <laughs> about my dysfunctional youth. I figured, oh, gosh, I can't tell y'all that. That's too, okay, I'll tell y'all. Listen, so I used to go to the door, and I'd be like, hello, my name is Mutan. <laughs> I was like, hey, if I give a British accent, I know they're going to give me more money. That was just my twisted, un saved depraved mind okay I just admitted something to you pastor's not perfect so I'll go to the door and I would go to uh, uh, upper echelon communities where it was gated neighborhoods and I'll go to the hood to the projects and let me tell y'all I sold more books to the projects than I ever did to the upper echelon of society the people in the projects knew where I was. They knew what I was going through. And they're like, man, we just want to support you. You're out here doing what's right. Let me invest in you so that you can keep doing what's right. So I'm going to buy. Let me buy all of your books. And I went to the uh, upper resources of society. And they're just like, no, I'm good. I don't need anything. Point number two. Number one was it's bigger than money. Point number two, money isn't evil. Evil can just be attached to money. What makes money good or not good, righteous or unrighteous, is what's attached to it. What spirit is attached to it? Is a spirit of mammon attached to our money, to our resources, or is it a spirit of God? And how do we get the spirit of God? Listen, all money, all money has a spirit on it. All money has a spirit on it. It either has a spirit of God or it has a spirit of mammon attached to it. And how do we get God's spirit on our money? It's by being faithful with the first fruits, what we talked about last week. It's about being faithful with the first fruits. We've seen it. The, 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 the principle of the first fruits goes from Genesis and it goes to Revelation. We saw how God gave his first fruits, Jesus Christ, the firstborn son. He modeled it. He told us to do something. And then he says, listen, I'm going to show you. I'm going to give my first fruits. I'm going to give you the greatest tithe you have ever experienced. And that is going to be the tithe of my son, Jesus Christ. God gave the first fruits. And he says, listen. If you want to be good stewards, if you want to be faithful and have the spirit of God all over your resources, if you want the spirit of God on your bank account, be faithful to the first fruits. Set it apart. Be devoted to it. Devoted for, for God. Set it apart. Make it holy. Because God says it is mine. It is holy. It is set apart. It is something that I want for me. And he's just testing us. He's saying, listen, I'm willing to give you the whole 90 if you would just give me 10%. If you just give me the first part and trust me with that. How do we know whether it's blessed or cursed? So we talked about the story of Joshua last week. When Joshua was going to fight the battle of Jericho, and what did we find out about Jericho? Why did God want all of the money, all of the resources that came out of Jericho? Because the children of Israel were on a journey to the promised land. It was an entire region of, of, of cities. And the first battle in conquering the entire region was Jericho. God wanted the first fruits. So even in war, he says, give me the first fruits and you can have the rest of all the cities, the land flowing with milk and honey. Everything that you stand in need of will be taken care of you 
just give me the first fruits. So when he tells them, hey, set apart the money, the gold, the silver, the, the bronze, the precious metals, set them apart, take them to the house of the Lord, dedicate it to the work of ministry, to the work of, of my house, it'll be holy, it'll be blessed. And so they go into Jericho, they take up all of the resources, they bring some of it, but there's one guy named Akon, not the rapper, Akon in the Bible. Akon says, man, you know, we have a whole lot of money here. I can take a little bit for me. So he takes a little bit for himself. And he says, it's not going to be a big deal. In the grand scheme of things, this is nothing. This is chump change. But it was part of the first fruits that was devoted and dedicated to God. And when God comes to him, he says, Joshua, there's sin in my camp because you guys have taken from the accursed things. Wait, hold on. In chapter 6, they were holy things. But now what makes them cursed? Because they were holy when they were devoted to God's house, but they became a curse when they kept it in their own accounts. You want to know how to have the spirit of God on your resources, on your finances? Be faithful with the first fruits. And listen, if this is the first time you're hearing this message, listen, it's, it's a whole series of messages. It's really good. Go back to, to, to the first one. You'll understand the trajectory that we're going. So money... It's neutral. It's not evil. Money isn't evil, but it can be attached to evil. 1 Timothy 6.10. This is what it says. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not the money, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money. You know there's some, you know there's some people who work 32 and a half jobs. Because they love money. Because they crave money. And you're like, listen, you're tired. You haven't seen your kids. You haven't seen your spouse. You haven't seen a bath. Stop. Stop craving money. He says, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. He says, listen, to crave money, to crave resources, to crave want, to constantly say, I want more, I want more, I want more. Following the spirit of mammon is like taking a knife and stabbing yourself with sorrow. I know that was a little uh, graphic, a little young man that was like, ooh, that dude, why would you do that? I know, it's crazy, bro, it's nuts. You know what I'm saying? Loving and serving mammon is the root of evil. So going up to verse 9 now. Now we're in, in the text. We're going to go through verse 9, 10, 11, 12. Verse 9, it says this. And I tell you, and this and I tell you means like he, Jesus is really trying to make an emphasis. Like, I need you to listen up. I need you to lean in. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody? Be like, listen, trust me. Listen to me. Like, lean in in this moment. This is what he's saying. And I tell you, I, I want you to lean in on this one. Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. And sometimes Jesus be saying stuff and you're like, what, Jesus? That's just right there. Just... Make it make sense, Jesus, please. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, or in other translations, when you fail, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Like, wait, so hold on, Jesus. Um, you want 
me not to follow the spirit of mammon and the spirit of the money. But yet you're telling me to make friends with unrighteous mammon. What is it? What does that mean, Jesus? This is what he's saying. He says, take what was once considered unrighteous and redeem it for good purposes, for right purposes, for honorable purposes, and you would develop friendships, you would develop relationships that in the time where money fails, because money will always fail, there's going to come a time in your life where money is not going to be able to buy anything that you need in that moment. In those times, these individuals rally around you, or in the time you fail, in the time your body dies in the time where you are in the ground and your spirit ascends to heaven you will be received by the very people who you bless by redeeming the unrighteous wealth with righteousness that's what he's saying he's saying listen Take the unrighteous wealth. Take that portion that could have been used for unrighteousness, the part that could have been cursed, and make friends with it. Sow it into God's work. Sow it into God's kingdom. Take those first fruits and put them aside. Set them aside as holy and, 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 and set apart. And you know what's going to happen? People will be saved. People will come to faith in Jesus as a result. You will develop a new family. You will develop new friendships. We say here at Relevant Church, we don't want to just be a friendly church. We want to be a church that makes friends. So as people walk into the door, our resources that keep the lights on, that keep a roof over our heads, literally, is going to allow us to embrace God's children who are coming home. We will develop friendships. We will develop relationships. And in those times of life, when money fails, when our life begins to fail, these individuals are going to be there with us encouraging us on. And when we make it to heaven, these individuals are going to uh, receive us. See, there's going to be people in heaven who are there because of your faithfulness in giving. When you return tithe to the church, when you return your stewardship to God's house, it is creating a direct opportunity for the gospel to reach people so that people can understand God's love, God's faithfulness to them. And when you all get to heaven, there's going to be people like, oh, man, remember 2019 Heart for the House? You gave to that. I came that fall. Because, because, because you gave, because God is going to be up there be like, oh, yeah. You see Katie Luke back there? Yeah, yeah, she's walking down with Jesus, like skipping lilies in the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know the reason why you're here in heaven is because she gave to Heart for the House. And every number that's given to Heart for the House is attached to a person who are going to receive new life because of our faithfulness, because of our obedience. And when we get to heaven, we're going to meet all these people. Oh, remember Heart for the House 2018? Remember, remember how you tithe? You tithe faithfully, man. I came to this church. I, I, found, I found salvation because of what you did. Listen, when we overcome the spirit of selfishness and replace it with faithfulness, God will produce blessedness in our lives and in the lives of others. Last service, I said, I worked very hard on that statement. I need y'all to make a little bit more noise on that one. When we overcome the spirit of selfishness and replace it with faithfulness and God will produce blessedness in our lives and in the lives of others. That's what I'm talking. Thank you, Jose. Praise Jesus. 
I joke, but here goes the reality of it. Let me tell you about Ryan and Christine. Ryan and Christine don't come to Relevant Church. Ryan and Christine was our neighbors. Ryan and Christine didn't know Jesus. We moved in next to them. God said, go talk to them. We started talking to them. We led them to Christ by the Spirit of God. And then we became friends. We started going to church together. We were at the same church. We says, Ryan and Christine, we're moving. We're going to Niles, Michigan. We're going to plan a life-giving church. They said, we can't go with you because we just bought a house. But we, what we can do is we can support you. And we can start giving. Before Relevant Church even had its first meeting, Ryan and Christine had started giving to the church. Let me tell you about Rod and Eileen. Rod was the family life pastor at Overflow Church where I was on staff. When I was there, I said, Pastor Rod, God is calling me to plant a church. What do you think about that? He says, I believe that what's God, that's what God is calling you to do. I sat down with our senior pastor. This is what I believe that God is telling us to do. Should we go? I said, yes. Rod and Eileen said, listen, we can't go with you, but I'll tell you what we can do. We can begin to support your church every single month. And since day one, Rod and Eileen have given to this church every month. We still receive the check every month. Let me tell you about Eric and Katie. Eric and Katie are pastors. They are in St. Louis, Missouri. They've been to this church once in their life. We told them, hey, we're planting a life-giving church in Niles, Michigan. And they said, man, we love the mission. We love the vision of what you guys are trying to accomplish. This is what we're going to do. We're going to begin to give to your local church. We're going to begin to support you. And we're going to support you significantly. We're going to tithe here. We're going to tithe there. We're going to make sure that you guys are well-funded. And can I tell you all, people, because of Ryan and Christine, because Rod and uh, Eileen, because of Eric and Katie, we are in this space right now. All of you guys are a result of their obedience to God, of their unselfishness, of their faithfulness. And just this year, over 100 people said yes to Jesus. Every time you give, there's a soul that God can entrust to us. When we are faithful in obedience, God is faithful in blessedness. Point number three, our last point. Don't let money move you. Learn to move money. Don't let money move you. Learn to move money. Don't dance. Make money move. Because you ain't got to dance you make money move. As the ghetto prophet <laughs> said best. <laughs> Don't let money move you. Learn to move money. It's all about stewardship. I just want to give you the definition of stewardship, because I think it's something that we need to kind of understand. A lot of times we talk about stewardship, but what, is, what does stewardship really mean? I just want to give you guys just a plain Webster's dictionary of what stewardship is. Stewardship is an ethic. Is an ethic tangible? Could we replace that? Is stewardship is a spirit that embodies the responsible planning and management of resources. Stewardship is an ethic and a spirit that embodies the responsible planning and management of resources. Don't let money move you. Learn to move money. 
Be a good steward with what you have. Everyone can be a steward. Everyone can be a steward. In starting point, we, uh, we, we, we watch this video from Pastor Doug Grassick. He's got this thing called the giving ladder and just kind of walks people through, you know, um, what it means to be a regular giver, what it means to be a tither, to be a generous giver. He says, listen, uh, stewardship is about faithfulness with everything that's been placed in your hand. And if you're going to give up your first fruits, and he cracks his joke, he says, listen, even when you give him cupcakes, he's like, dang, how am I going to split this? How am I going to? But everybody can be a steward because when God said, hey, listen, return to me the tithe, he never said, return to me this much money. He said, give me 10%. That's it. You can keep 90. You can steward the rest. Just be faithful with this first 10%. It's a percentage so that it makes it equal and available for everyone. So whether you've got a dollar or you've got $100,000, everybody is giving at an equal rate. It's about stewardship. It's about being faithful to what God has placed in your hands. And, you know, it's easy to be like, well, you know what? That's nice. This message doesn't really matter to me because I don't even have a dollar. Don't, don't, don't allow this message to easily brush off and be like, well, you know what? I'm broke, preacher. So y'all talking about all that unrighteous wealth? I don't even have wealth. Forget it being unrighteous. I don't even have the basic wealth. Can I just make a, a just a, it's going to feel like a, a hard statement. If you excuse faithlessness due to famine, you will forfeit favor due to faithfulness. I won't remember it, Jose. Stop it. I may remember it. Hold on. Let me go again. If you excuse faithlessness due to famine, you will forfeit favor due to faithfulness. And as you keep chewing on that, it's going to hit you when you are driving. You're going to be like, yeah, Jesus. Amen. I didn't get it when he said it to me, but just now it hit me. Verse 10. Verse 10 says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. One who is faithful in a little will also be faithful much. I can trust you. But if you are unfaithful, if you're dishonest in the little, I don't know if I can trust you with a whole lot more. He's like, listen, if you don't tithe when you have a little, you'll never have much. What did we discover last week, uh, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, that... Um, if you're like, well, I can't afford to tithe, you never will. I can't afford to tithe. Well, you'll never be able to afford to tithe then. Listen, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm talking about responsibility, obedience, and faithfulness. 
I'm talking about it's a heart thing. Where do, where, where do, where do our hearts lie? Remember, there's going to be two questions, and you're going to be able to answer that question very easily by the end of this message. Well, I only got a little. Well, that's good. We start with a little. And then God gives us more as we are good stewards of the little that we had. Why would I give more to someone who's not responsible with the little that I give them? I've got, I've got a son, y'all. I got three sons. There's one of my sons who will go unnamed. Who is not the greatest at sharing? Sometimes I wonder, like, boy, where does the spirit come from? Maybe your mama. No, I'm joking. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. But when I give him something to share with his friends, so, like, say I'll go into the gas station and I'll buy a king size of candy that has like Kit Kats or multiple in there or Reese's, whatever. And I'm like, I'll hand it to him. He'll like, thanks, dad. All right, can you share that with you? Wait, I thought it was all mine. That's a lot. You're going to eat all that candy? Well, uh, yeah. Well, can you share it with your siblings? Oh, do I have to? Yeah. Because I put it in your stewardship so that you can be responsible to share it and give it out. And if you are able to be faithful with that, then I know I can trust you with more. And so sometimes I'll pull a trick on it. I'll buy two packages, but I'll keep one. And I'm like, hey, can you pass those out? If he does not buck, if he just goes and just like, okay, hey, you get this, you get this, you get this, I'm like, Bam. He's like, what? I said, that was for you. Because I knew I could trust you with the others. And God is looking at us. He says, hey, can I trust you right where you're at? Can you be faithful right where you're at? He, he, he says this, if you're dishonest with a little, you'll be dishonest over much. Compare dishonest with, with, with thievery, with, with, with stealing. Remember in, in Malachi, what it, what God is talking to his people. God is talking, God is talking to his people. This is God talking. He says, hey, I got an issue with y'all. Well, what's your issue? Y'all keep stealing from me. God, how can we steal from you? Well, with your tithe and your offering." He says, listen, you guys have been dishonest with me. You've been stealing from me. And let me ask y'all something. Would you entrust your house and all the resources in it to a kleptomaniac? You know somebody got sticky fingers, and then you leave everything around them like, oh, it'll be all right. You wouldn't. So what makes us think God is going to trust us with more if we're not faithful with whatever he's already placed around us? <laughs> I've got, listen, I've got my amen corner with Jose today. Verse 12. Verse 12, we're rounding out, guys. 
jump verse 11. We're going to go back to it. It says, and if you have been, un- if you have been faithful in that which is another's, if you, have been, if you have not been faithful, excuse me, in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? If you've been entrusted with another's property and you're not even faithful with that, Who's going to trust you to have anything on your own? Who's going to give it to you? Who's going to give you what is yours? Who is the other? Who is the another? God. Simple answer. If you have not been faithful with what's God's, and remember, God is the giver of all good gifts. God is the supplier. God is the one who uh, entrusts us with the stewardship. And if we are not faithful to the giver, then who's going to give us our own because he's the giver so if we can't be trusted with his stuff how what make who who else are we going to get from because he's the giver god has gifted us resources to steward gifts finances resources money position influence God has gifted it to you. But stewards understand this one thing. When I'm given something to steward, it's not mine. I've got to just take care of it. And so I gave the example uh, a couple of weeks ago. I had a few guys stand up up here, and I said, listen, I'm going away on a trip. And I gave each person $1,000. And I said, hey, can you make sure you give 10% to my wife? Make sure that you take care of her. I don't want her to have to work. She's got kids to worry about. She's got worship leading that she has to do. I just want her to be taken care of. And the one person says, okay, cool. And they send $1,000 every month, and it's awesome. The other person says, sends $2,000 every month. That's awesome. And then the other person says, $700. Then he says 300 and then the next month he's like, no, I just really don't feel like it. I got too much bills to pay. I got things that I need to do. Do you think I'm going to keep giving that person uh, $1,000 to get steward? And God is like, listen, I'm giving you everything. I'm just asking for a little something. Because I'm testing your heart. I'm, I'm asking you to set it apart. I wanted it to be holy. I want to make sure that you understand that this right here is the portion. He did it in the Garden of Eden, people. You can have everything. Just don't touch this one. The tree was not unholy. The tree was not unrighteous. What became unrighteous was the disobedience. They took what was righteous and made it unrighteous, put a curse on it by their actions. Verse 11. This is a teaching series. I'm I'm just teaching. I'm trying to be a good steward. Listen, don't be mad at me, y'all. I'm, I'm trying to be a good sort because at the beginning of this year, God says, listen, are you going to tell the people what they need to hear or are you going to continue to pacify them? Because I can call somebody else to go teach them. Guys, I want to pastor you. I want to love you well. I want to be honest with you. We can't come here every week and be like, do the song and dance, and everybody, everybody leaves on high. Sometimes we've got to be like, man, i got to wrestle with these things for real, for real. I need to test my faith for real, for real. Verse 11, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, if you have not been, uh, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? I'm just going to get to the point. The true riches, the true riches, what is unrighteous wealth? 
following the spirit of mammon, following, uh, I want more, I want more money, I want more resources, I want more this. True riches are things that will never go away. True riches last eternally. True riches go beyond this earth. There's only one thing that I know that goes beyond this earth, and that's our souls. Our bodies will be changed. It says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. What, we, what was once perishable, we will take on the imperishable. We don't know what our bodies are going to look like, but I'll tell you what, these bodies, they're going to be gone. Everything that we see is going to burn. I told the story, I had a pastor who, man, he was the biggest party poop in the world. Because you'd be like, man, pastor, did you see this one card that's coming out? He's like, it's going to burn. <laughs> Dang. Man, listen, we're driving in the car with him. My gosh, look at that house. That's a beautiful house. It's going to burn. Man, Pastor, listen, <laughs> I went to the store. I got this sale, man. I got this really dope pair of shoes, man. It's going to burn. Everything is going to burn. Cash, cars, cribs, they're all going to burn. We take nothing out of this life. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. The only thing we take into eternity is our souls. It's the souls of the redeemed. The only thing that lasts. And God is saying, listen, if you have not been faithful, if you've been unfaithful with the unrighteous mammon, how can I put real riches in your hand? How can I put true souls in your hand? How can I put anything of value that really lasts in your hands? Our tithe is the greatest investment because it invests in souls. Like I said, every gift that is given equates a person who will come to say yes to Jesus Christ. Listen, when we, when we return our tithe... We're not just simply building churches on earth. We're building cities in heaven. And here's the deal. For many of us, I think the reason why we don't give because we see the church as a country club. I don't really have to. Man, other people are going to give. I'm just going to borrow somebody else's key card. I'm not going to invest in it myself. You ever had a gym membership where somebody else pays the bill, but you get in on that key card? That's what we do with church. Oh, somebody else will foot the bill. When we give, when we give, God trusts us with souls. And what happens with these souls is we make friends with these souls. And God blesses us through that relationship. It's bigger than money, y'all. It's bigger than money. It's bigger than money. So I told you you would have two questions here. I'm going to tell you to choose wisely. I want to read something to you that I didn't read first service. And I think this is incredibly important. And I'm going to start all the way from the beginning, then I'm going to add two verses at the end. Or one verse at the end that we haven't read yet. Verse 9, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous wealth. Redeem that wealth. So that when it fails, when you fail, 
they may receive you. Your friends will receive you into the internal dwellings. Verse 10, one who is faithful in the very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money or the spirit of mammon. Listen to verse 14. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. Because they followed the spirit of mammon. And let me ask you, when you leave this house after this tithe message, what conversations are you having? Gosh, another sermon about money. That's all the church ever talks about is money. I wish we would just not talk about money. Here goes the two questions that I have for you. Ask this to yourself. Am I a follower of the spirit of mammon? Or am I a follower of God? And I can give you a window into what it has been. It'll depend on what's on your heart when you walk out of these doors about this series. God has given us a stewardship. He's saying, test me. And he's testing us. Are we following him? Let's pray. Gracious God, this is real. It just got really real. Reveal to us our hearts because the reality of it is that it's all about the heart. God, you are the giver of good gifts. You are the entruster of a holy stewardship. And God, for so many of us, unbeknownst to us, we've been following the spirit of man. We've been following the spirit of the Antichrist because we have valued, we have lifted up money, resources, greater than our relationship with you. And we get mad when people talk about money in church. And we grumble when we learn about your word. And much like the people of old that scripture tells us, they they went to the prophets and they said, don't tell us those hard sayings. Speak to us smooth things. Speak to us the things that will tickle our ears. Don't convict us. 
God, may we not be like them. May we hear your word. May we listen to you and do what you say. God, there may be a person in here who is who knows that they have not been following you, whether it's by following the, the spirit of mammon, the, the spirit of resources and riches, or maybe it's just been a licentious spirit, one that is just out for their own gain. One that has not placed you first in their life. One that's saying, you know what, I'm all about me. And today they're recognizing, in reality, I have not been following God. It's, it's bigger than money for me. It ain't even about money. It's just been the way I've been living my life. And today, they have the opportunity to declare, as for me, I will follow God. If that person is in this room, God, and they're just saying, you know what? I've been following my own device. I've been following a spirit, but not one of the Lord. If they're in here, Lord, I pray that you may prick their hearts. You will touch their hearts and they will make a decision to follow you today. And I pray, God, that you will seal their commitment in your love, in your grace. Forgive us for putting things before you. Using faithlessness as an excuse because of our perceived lack. I pray that God will reorder our priorities. We will walk in step with you so that we can see more stories like Angie. More stories like Muta, who is a result of other people's faithfulness. And God, may we experience the blessed life. We're not doing it for that. We're doing it out of obedience. But you say, test me. And so we're testing you today and saying, God, I believe, heal my unbelief. I want to walk in step with you. Meet us on the opposite side of our obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.